Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, April 16th, 2018. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 4, and we're at page 51, the first paragraph. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Becca R., 12 traditions, Esther F., and reading the text are Russ M., Allison L., and Rita K. The reference number for Sunday, April 15, 2018, is 11,300. That's 11300. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from, compuls- from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Becca R. to read the 12 steps. Hi, this is Becca R. from Kentucky. Can I be heard? Yes, we can hear you. Okay, sorry. Okay, these are the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for his knowledge, for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks. Pass. Thank you. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 
Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should, be, should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 51 paragraph one, and he will be reading through three paragraphs and will comment on all three. I will ask Russ M. to begin reading. Good morning, Case. This is Russ M., recovered compulsive reader outside of Philly. This world of ours has made more material progress in the last century than in all the millenniums which went before. Almost everyone knows this the reason. Students of ancient history tell us the intellect of men in those days was equal to the best of today. Yet in ancient times, material progress was painfully slow. The spirit of modern scientific inquiry, research, and invention was almost unknown. In the realm of the material, men's minds were fettered by superstition, tradition, and all sorts of fixed ideas. Some of the contemporaries of Columbus thought around the earth preposterous. Others came near putting came near putting Galileo to death for his astronomical heresies. We asked ourselves this, are not some of us just as biased and unreasonable about the realm of the spirit as were the agents about the realm of the material? Even in the present century, American newspapers were afraid to print the account of the Wright brothers, first successful flight at Kitty Hawk. Had not all efforts at a flight failed before? Did not Professor Langley's flying machine go to the bottom of the Potomac River? Was it not true that the best mathematical minds have proved man could never fly? And not people said God reserved his privilege to the birds? 
Only 30 years later, the conquest of the air was almost a story, and airplane travel was in full swing. But in most fields, our generation has witnessed complete liberation of our thinking. Show any longshoreman a Sunday supplement describing a proposal to explore the moon by means of a rocket, and he will say, I bet they do it. Maybe not so long either. Is not our age characterized by the the ease with which we discard old ideas for new, by the complete readiness with which we throw away the theory or gadget which does not work for something new which does? Um, once again, it's Ross N. Outside of Philly. So, you know, obviously this whole chapter is all about belief. And when I was going over these things, this, this, these passages, I think that like, as humans, we just don't trust people. Okay, we have a hard time believing in God, but we, we don't trust. We just don't trust that there's something else. You know, we've been burnt by ourselves. We've been burnt by our friends. We've been burnt by religion, churches, whatever. And we, it's a, we'll pr- prove it to us. Prove it to us. You know, but when you think of it, there's so many things that we, you know, you just can't prove. There's air. If we don't have air, we're dead, right? We don't have oxygen. If, you know, love, everybody knows love is true, right? Well, you can't prove it, you can't quantify it. Well, you could do people's actions, but, you know, that feeling that you feel when you see the person, people that you care about, you can't, you can't put that on paper. But yet we still, we're smart, and we, we're going to figure things out on our own. You know, it's, it's a matter of trust and self-will and, and our ego, I guess. So, you know, I just, I just look at, you know, in my case, I have a daughter that's, she's missing half of her cerebellum in her brain. According to balance, to eyesight, the speech, a lot, a lot of different things go through those, those tracks of the nervous system. And yet she balances. She's not delayed. She's 11 years old. It's like, I can't explain that. I can't, if you look at her MRI, you'd be like, how's that happening? Where you see people that were destitute. But by some reason, some inspiration, by some way, they came out of it and they're living a, a, a life. And then we look at ourselves. We look at the addict. The person's on the brink of ruin that's crushed and has nothing and is just a, a shell of themselves. Yet by some power, by some way, they, they, get, they get recovered. So... I don't know, it's a matter of trust. And, you know, it's, it's a process because just like anything else, you, you, it has to become part of us and it takes time to get that way. So, you know, that's why we work these steps and we're in this program and we're in this book. So thank you. Love you guys and have a wonderful day. Thank you for letting me uh, do service. Thank you, Russ. Okay, so if you're just joining us, we're on page 51, and we read through three paragraphs ending at um, something new, which does. And who would like to share on these three paragraphs? Janice PM. Janice PM. Lisa B. Larry for the dog. Kim G. Larry. Kim G. Melissa C. Melissa C. Carly Z. Carly Z. Amanda M. Amanda M. Barbara E. 
And Barbara E. Okay, let's stop there. Thank you all for speaking one at a time. That was lovely. Okay, um, you must have listened to my dog that barked and said, now be nice to Katie. Okay, we have Janice P., Lisa B., Larry K., Kim G., Melissa C., Carly Z., Amanda M., and Barbara E. Janice P. M., please get started. Yes, thank you, Katie, and uh, good morning to everyone. My name is um, Janice P.M., and I'm just grateful to be here. Um, I'm just um, making an analogy of this, these three paragraphs to what has gone on in the past six to eight weeks with me. Um, I'm just getting off out, out of pneumonia. Um, if I cough, please excuse me. Um, and this I can relate to my illness of uh, compulsive overeating. First of all, you know, when I was diagnosed, I, um, you know, oh, my idea, you know, geez, I have pneumonia. And, oh, I'm a compulsive overeater, so I'm trying to make an analogy. But, you know, I had a willingness. I had a willingness to say, you know what, I'm powerless over this disease. And then I started to believe and, and, and be willing to believe that my idea of um, dying from uh, pneumonia complications at at a certain age, I had to erase that. I had to I had to get that out of my mind because I know that's not the truth. Um, yeah, it could happen, but you know, if I am willing to believe, you know, that uh, that's an old idea. It is an old idea that you know I used to hear for you know, oh my father, he died from pneumonia, blah blah blah. But you know, today, you know, having some background in the twelve steps. You know, I was willing to believe. See, this is the process before we have the faith. And I think this is what they're doing here, you know. Um, willing to believe that something else, some other idea can happen. So I went with that idea. I went with the idea that, yeah, you know, if I'm willing to believe that, you know, perhaps I'm willing, you know, I, I will achieve. And that's how I have to believe with my illness. Yeah, you could have setbacks. You could, yeah, I don't have, I'm not going to fail because uh, that's how I used to think. But now the trust is, is is building up. And so imagine if, like they say, Columbus and Galileo didn't have this new idea and didn't go for it. So this is the process. So we're willing, and then we believe. We're willing to believe in step two. See, this is how it starts. This is how the faith. And then, of course, we make a decision um, that, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to take the medicine. I'm going to do this. I'm going to rest. And then that's the action we take. And I can see that, you know, the results happen. And this is the same way with my compulsive overeating, I'm thinking the same way. It's in the thinking. So now I have faith because, you know, I've had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. Now I have faith. Now I have knowledge. Now I know that God can restore us no matter what it is. And I can believe today that this can happen with my disease too. It's, you know, uh, because my self-reliance didn't work. And that's how the faith begins, you know. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Welcome. We're so glad you're better. Lisa B., it's your turn, followed by Larry Kay. Can you please tell us the page number? Yes, um, if you're just joining us, we're on page 51. We read through three paragraphs, ending on 52 for something new, which does. Okay, go ahead, please, Lisa B. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And 
I really felt a nudging to share, and I'm hoping that my share maybe helps another person. Um, the words that really jumped out for me in this powerful reading are intellect and spirit. And intellect is the faculty of reasoning and understanding objectively. I had no ability to understand anything objectively. You know, this book tells me that um, in, in the chapter Working with Others and in the forward to the first edition, it tells me that we're very, very sick. And I have to remember that when I'm working with others, I have to remember that about myself. But today I've been restored to sanity and the the base of my illness resides in my mind. So I did not have any ability to reason and understand objectively when I was on step two. And when we reviewed step one and going forward with the steps, the thing that's going to drive me is under the willingness is action, but under that is a desperate knowing that I will eat again unless I achieve through the steps. I don't achieve it. My higher power does, and the steps brings it about a recovered state of mind. And when I look in the 10th step, you know, the promises, it says that we've been restored to sanity. And it also tells me that I've entered the world of the spirit. And the spirit is non-physical. It's a non-physical part of a person. This is the definition. That is the seat of emotions and character and the soul. And I have lived my whole life operating on the physical, just wanting everything to take care of me, wanting to feel good, wanting to feel good. And I have a spiritual malady. I desperately need the 12 steps to restore me to sanity. But I had to get clear in my mind. And today, as a recovered person, I know that I had to put the food down. And, you know, sometimes for me, I have to review my food. Like, am I eating foods that are maybe too sexy? Am I ingesting things that have created an effect for me that at one time were okay for me? And the same with the steps. You know, I've had to go back and redo thorough inventories, not just do 10 steps. I've had to go back. And then I love the line in uh, the chapter, Working with Others, It says the age of miracles is still with us. Our own recovery proves that. And it's a never-ending growing process, and I'm grateful to be in the world of the spirit and that today my mind, my thoughts are sane and that I do come from a higher plane of thinking. With that, I pass. Thank you so much, Lisa B. Larry Kay, it's your turn, followed by Kim G. Larry, we can't hear you. Sorry, okay, Katie. Tim, how about a, okay, there you are, Larry. Great. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, so sorry. My apologies. Thanks for your service, Katie. <clears throat> the um, what I wanted to focus on was the um, just that you know I, I love that there's a chapter you know that Bill wrote <clears throat> primarily. I think it was divinely inspired called We Agnostics. You know, it's, it's an acknowledgement that we don't know. You know, for me, it's as it's if he's saying, you know, well, welcome to this, this, this humble world of agnosticism. You know, the position which says that, that many of these kind of deep, uh, you know, existential questions may be unknowable. They may be unanswerable. And when, you know, and there's a beauty in that for me, because when I admit to the limits of my knowledge and accept that there may be some mysteries that are, that I don't, you know, that doesn't box me in. Actually, that helps me to become liberated from the bondage of self. 
you know, maybe our destiny <clears throat> while on earth here is not to know conclusively one way or the other. I just choose to believe. And if that's so, as an addict who can't stay stopped, <clears throat> that was true, you know, from burning myself again and again and again, right? My only rational option was to reserve judgment, you know, get on with the work, trust in a process that I saw had worked in you and so many others, <clears throat> and get on with it. I don't need to know conclusively. I gave that up. There, there, there was two doors. The first door was labeled, you know, bring on the disease. I had a shiny key to that door. I still do. The second door is labeled, you know, bring on the recovery. I also have a shiny key to open that door today. I've got two keys here. The question is, which door am I going to enter? And I choose to believe. And then I knew. And then I knew. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Okay, um, Kim G., it's your turn, followed by Melissa C. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. I love this word, fettered. It says, in the realm of the material, men's minds were fettered by superstition, tradition, and all sorts of fixed ideas. You know, the definition of fetter is a chain or shackle for your feet or something that confines or restrains you. you know, back in the wild, wild west, they used to put ropes around the legs of the, of the uh, horses at night so they wouldn't run away. You know, I think of the movie the, the, um, called The Green Mile when the killer is brought down the aisle and he's got shackles on his hands and his feet so he can't run away. So I have to ask myself, what are those old ideas? What are those fixed ideas that are constraining me? So I'm going to tell you um, what my ideas of the, first, of the 12 steps were for the first 17 years in Overeaters Anonymous. Step one was that food and weight was my problem. Step two was I was going to have to believe in that childhood God that scared the crap out of me. Step three was that God was Santa Claus. I was going to give him a list of things that I wanted him to do. And if I was a good girl, I would get it. If I wouldn't, I would get coal in my stocking, and then I would, quote, unquote, take my will back when I didn't get my way. Steps four and five was me telling an autobiography of my life story. Step six and seven was I was going to work on becoming a good girl. Step eight and nine was about forgiveness and saying I'm sorry. Step ten was something I did at night, and it was basically a good girl, bad girl list, and I would decide whether I was a good girl today or a bad girl today. Step 11 was just saying the serenity prayer 30, 40, 50 times a day. And step 12 was I was going to be someone's diet buddy and their life coach. And let me tell you, when that was my understanding of the 12 steps, what my experience was, was periods of abstinence and periods of being in the food. Periods of abstinence and being in the food. I had to confront those old ideas. Some other old ideas I had to confront is that we have a three-fold illness. That's not what my book tells me. I was told that meeting makers make it. Meeting makers make a lot of meetings, but my experience for myself and watching others is they don't stay absent or sober. You know, that I was an emotional eater. That works, except there wasn't an emotion I didn't eat over. You know, if you had my life, you would eat. There's a lot of people that have my life and don't eat, and there's a lot of people that have better and worse lives and recover. You know, that OA is a nine-tool program. We are a 12-step program. That reading the steps in meetings was doing the steps. Absolutely not. 
A deadly one was that I had to do the 12 steps in order to get abstinent. And another big one for me was that alcohol was different than food. We, don't, we can't achieve recovery in, in Overeaters Anonymous. That alcoholics just have to not drink, and I have to eat on a daily basis. Well, let me tell you, alcoholics drink daily. They drink water. They drink soda. I eat my foods, and I do not eat my binge food. It was important for me to confront these old ideas in order for me to open, be open to the actual program of recovery in the big book. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Melissa C., you're up, followed by Carly Z. Hi. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, yeah, so I also was thinking about that bettered, that, that word, um, and how um, that kept me, you know, my fixed ideas is what kept me shackled, chained to the food, um, and, and to the struggle, you know, and, and then when the rest of the paragraphs go on to say how quickly we trade one gadget for another, you know, I laugh because I, I think of myself as this, like, really open-minded, you know, uh, quick to try new things kind of a person. And so, you know, when my iPhone tells me that there's an update, I don't even investigate what the update is. I, um, yeah, okay, sure, sounds good, and I update, you know. Um, but I have been so close to the idea of spiritual, you know, that so my fixed ideas was that um, God is for weak people, you know, and God, if there is one, um, could care less about my food, you know, could care less about what I eat and if I'm abstinent and, um you know, and another, like, so my superstitions, you know, my crazy thinking, because that's superstition, like irrational um, ideas, was that um, I'm going to drink vinegar and honey and get thin, you know, or I'm going to drink cabbage soup and never have a problem with food again. I, I had all of these crazy thoughts. And, um, you know, and so when I was willing to lay aside my traditional thinking, thinking that was like, um, oh, I know myself. I know what will work for me. You know, that's tradition. Um, I know nothing. You know, like when I was really willing and every time I'm willing to say um, I'm open, you know, I don't know, um, then I'm freer, you know, and that's really what it took. So, um, yeah, does God care about me and my and my food? I, I believe so today. That that thinking has to be changed because, um, you know, if I'm bound to the food, I'm I'm not available to carry out, you know, God's plan for me. I know that. You know, is it is it about just my weight? Does God want me to be thin and beautiful? I I, I don't I don't believe that's the case. But I believe that God wants me to be loving and of service, and for me to eat, I have no ability to do that. It, it takes me right out. So, you know, this free, open-minded thinking person um, on a daily basis, I have to be even freer, even more open-minded. Um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. Okay, Carly Z, it's your turn, followed by Amanda M. Hi, everybody. This is Carly, grateful, recovering, compulsive, overeater, bulimic, anorexic in New York. 
Um, I really love the part in this paragraph that says, um, that talks about um, a proposal to explore the moon by means of a rocket. And he will say that they do it, maybe not so long either. It's so funny to me because this book was written before the moon landing and then it happened. So that to me is just such a God shot that like these things that we think are not possible or that we're just um, dreaming about, that they can happen. And if we, if we just change our ideas about, if I just change my ideas about things, sorry, I'm keeping the focus on myself. If I just change my ideas about things, then um, things that I never thought were possible can happen. And um, I, I never thought it was possible that I could get through the day without drinking a cup of coffee and it's been happening. And I never thought it was possible that I could have the sense of peace that I'm having right now with the changes that I'm making as I put down the food completely, but it's possible. And this are so much greater than anything that I think possible. And it's interesting. I was reading, uh, doing my outside spiritual practice this morning and was reading something that said like, it's, there's so many things out there. There's so many ideas that use, spirituality as a means for me to get what I want in life, you know, to leverage God in order for me to, to reach my goals or fulfill what's on my vision board. But it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about me being used for God's purposes because God created me in the first place. So I was created by God, not the other way around. It's like, it's like an invention. Like I can't, know what an invention is for unless I ask the inventor and like I can't know what I'm for unless I ask my higher power so I'm really grateful to be on the line today and I'll pass thank you Carly Amanda M you're up followed by Barbara E Amanda M star one to unmute Amanda M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Thank you. Thank you so much. The uh, What really stuck out to me in the reading was the words fixed ideas. And to me, that translates as judgmental. And I came into Overeaters Anonymous, recovered from another illness, and uh, I what came into Overeaters Anonymous, though, knowing that you guys weren't really abstinent, that um, if you were had some what you were calling physical recovery, it was because you were on a diet. I just had these fixed ideas that God absolutely could not take away the food, that there would always be suffering, that there would always be a diet involved. And... Um, so I could not stay abstinent when I first came in because I had these fixed ideas. And somehow, some way, I was able to let go of that because I was in so much pain. And I think for me to let go of those fixed ideas, I had to have the pain. And God has given me um the gift of abstinence and it has been beautiful and there's been no suffering and I have had physical recovery but the thing about it is those fixed ideas I still had in other areas of my life so for me food was just a symptom and God had to keep working on me with all my judgmentalness 
um, throughout the program. And my idea of God had to grow and grow and grow and grow as the problems became bigger and bigger and bigger, as the food became less and less and less. So I love this. Um, uh, are not some of us just as biased and unreasonable realm of the spirit? And I was biased because I kept putting God in a box. And I'm really grateful after a year of abstinence that has been just um, amazing that more and more and more I keep uh, losing that biased and unreasonableness I have with God. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amanda. Okay, Barbara E., you're up. And then we'll uh, open it up for more shares. Uh, thank you so much. I believe you said Barbara E. I was unmuting, so I didn't hear it. Oh, uh, yes. Welcome I to did. Monday. I called on you. Oh, yeah. thank you. Uh, I too was uh, honing in on the word fettered. I used to go what, to what was called Rutgers University Medical Center, and there was a prison nearby, and I would see the prisoners come in for medical attention in their orange suits their arms shackled, their legs uh, fettered together, walking in a line attached one to their other, their heads bowed, and I felt nervous, I was scared, and I felt sorry for them. And And my ideas were certainly fettered in misconceptions. I was fettered by the idea that I was in control, that self-knowledge could and would allow me to get abstinent and gain a healthy body body weight and stay there. My old ideas prevented me from seeing the truth. And the men of old, in centuries past, they were ignorant, yes, but ignorant does not mean stupid. It means they were uninformed. Students of ancient history tell us the intellect of men in those days was equal to ours. My hope is that someday in the very near future, everyone will agree that gluttony is not just the failure to push away from the table, that it is indeed a disease as we know it to be and that the world will be as accepting as we are that we need to work everything. For me, it's not just about the tools. It's not, as someone said, that meeting makers make it. Because if I don't go to a meeting and get something valuable out of it, then it's definitely not been worthwhile. I can't depend on human beings, no matter how wonderful I think they are. I can't put my sponsor up as an idol. Page 164 says, we know only very little. God will constantly reveal more to us. We realize we know only a little. I certainly know only a little, and that's why I go to this meeting every single day with my book in hand so that I will understand that this is a killing disease and I need every tool in the arsenal, you, the big book, the steps, the tools, the fellowship, it all works together in beautiful, beautiful combination. Thank you so much. I pass. 
Have a wonderful day. Let's throw away our gadgets. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, so if you've just joined us since um, we started the meeting, we're on, okay, it's really loud. If you're not um, me, please mute yourself right now. Okay. Um, we started on page 51, this world of ours, and went read through three paragraphs, ending on 52, something new, which does. So who would like to share on those paragraphs? Charles Arlen G. Charles Arlen. Chrissy G. Chrissy G. Thank you. Chrissy G, right. Okay. Okay. Who else? I have Charles H. Um, Harlan G. Kathy K. And Chrissy G. Leah. Anyone M. else? Leah M. Okay. Well, let's go with those five. Charles H. You're up, followed by Harlan G. Thank you very much for your service, Charles H. Um, Charles H., don't be a thin bitch. You don't know everything. You don't know what's going to happen today. You can't stay absent by yourself. You know what? The, the, the bottom line for me is in this chapter four, we agnostic is if I don't, um, if I don't, if I don't trust and surrender, then I'm not going to make a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand him. Um, and I love page 62. We can't reduce self-centeredness on our own. Page 59, before they introduce the steps. Um, without help, it is too much for us. And I was working with a sponsoree this morning that, um, that has been in program for a long time, and um, we've gone through the process, and it was controlled. And we went back, and it was good because um, when we went back, we went back together. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like uh, fear, control, ego, all of that stuff. Can't reduce it on my own. Without help, it is too much. This thing is the heavyweight champ. My mind, in my sick mind, in my insane mind, I am the heavyweight champion of the world. <laughs> That is sick, and it's not about the food. It's about everything else. If I don't trust ahead of time, I'm not going to make a decision. I'm going to leave something on the clock because I hate when the moderator tells me time. Okay, well, you had a minute and 19 seconds. But anyway, Harlan G., you're up, followed by Kathy K. Thanks, Katie, and thank you to Team Monday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G., I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. I came in here with a lot of fixed ideas. Dr. Silkworth tells me on page XXVIII28 in Roman numerals, Dr. Silkworth tells me once having lost their self-confidence, my life in this disease is a constant state of defeat. I never got the grades I wanted. I didn't work very hard. I wasn't comfortable. I was scared of not doing things perfectly. I was scared of the world around me. And I was convinced 
and I was hoping that I would drop dead at a very, very early age. That's what everybody told me. I saw no point of living. I saw no point of living without the food. I couldn't live with the food. I couldn't live without the food. And I had some fixed ideas. One of the fixed ideas that I had was that success and love and relationships and independence and accomplishment were for other people and not for me. That's not true. I believe that God, because I had yelled F you at my mother and I, I was angry at my parents, that God was never going to bless my life. That's not true. Yes, I've done those things, but that's not true. And I had to unshackle from those fixed ideas. The fixed ideas that what's the use anyhow? The fixed ideas of I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I got a call the other day from a person who was hysterical, crying. They are writing an eighth-step letter, and they don't know whether they should type it or handwrite it. The person that they're writing the letter to is dead. I said, it doesn't matter. Just write the damn thing. I never knew that I could fly. And in this program, for the last 19 years, I have not compulsively overeaten. I have not binged on food. And I have done so happily with very, very little effort other than to take the next indicated action in front of me called the steps. That God has done for me what I could not do for myself is there for me too. And if it's there for me, it's there for you. Let's unshackle from that banyan tree. Let's unshackle from those fixed ideas and fly. Because this is there for every one of us who takes the action. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan, so much. Kathy Kay, you're up, followed by Chrissy G. Thank you, Katie, and thank you, everyone, who's helping make this meeting possible. My name is Kathy. I'm recovered in Boston, and um, I've really uh, appreciated the shares today because they remind me how every single day uh, I have fixed ideas uh, which I need to call into question and choose to follow the will of my higher power. Um, my, the spiritual malady is so um, enduring. You know, I was able to get abstinent a number of years ago, uh, and I continue to work the steps, and I continue to discover fixed ideas which limit my effectiveness in the world. Um, and I have days when I wonder if those fixed ideas will ever be uh, released and if I'll ever be able to live in uh, total acceptance, um, total gratitude, without fear, um, and so on. And what I realized from reading this today uh, and listening to all of you is that it is a process 
I am engaged in of working the steps so that I get to start every day with my higher power, acknowledging my character defects and uh, praying for their removal. And it's only by um, relying on this greater power that I now choose to call God that I have a chance of behaving today in a healthier way. I'm really, really struck by um, how often I slip back into old beliefs, um, even though I've been recovered for a number of years. And, you know, that's the spiritual malady, which uh, I have to accept and I have to recognize that in order to live in a healthy way, um, I need to rely on God every single day. And I'm just so grateful that over the years I've developed the willingness to do that. And I don't do it perfectly. And sometimes I forget. But I always have the opportunity to go to my higher power when I start experiencing negativity of any kind. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Okay, Chrissy G, you're up, followed by Leah M. It's Chrissy G, recovered in New Jersey. And I'm thinking about this, you know, old idea thing and how for me that 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 holding on holding on to them is so much part of my disease, you know, like really just out of fear and control, just holding on because, you know, the idea, it says, you know, in the 12 and 12, if we let go of some of this stuff, we'll be like the hole in the donut, you know, we'll be, we'll be nothing, we'll be ab- obliterated because I for so long believed that I was my thoughts, that that's, I was my, you know, my belief system, my values, my personality, that that was who I was. And I come to find out that I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm spirit, I'm a human being, I'm a spiritual being having a human experience, which I've heard quoted many times and, and love so much because it's so true. And I have to remember that all the time. And the reason why I wasn't, I wasn't living my true authentic life that God intended me is because I wasn't plugged into him. I wasn't getting my energy from my source. I was getting it from everything that was human about me but i wasn't plugged into my true source and my inner core which is the higher power and and for me it's 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 all about getting back to that and and getting deeper into that and having more of that in my life i mean that's what it's about and and i've found out that through these steps it, i can i can have a process that is tried and true that's been used for many many years to get there and you know it's it's only a beginning there's so much more and i you know my 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 pain and my difficulties in my life are what drive me back to to my higher power because i know that that's where the answers are and what i'm really grateful for and i i pray this for anyone on the line struggling today what i'm really grateful for is that i'm completely aware that god is my answer that being thin is not the answer um, having more attention from my partner is not the answer. I truly know that 
the 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 real answer, the eternal answer, the one that's going to be have some lasting power that's going to keep me sustained is is the my connection with my higher power. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Chrissy. Leah M., it's your turn. Thank you very much. This part of the text that speaks about, you know, fixed ideas and that we're attached to fixed ideas. Um, you know, the examples of Columbus and Kitty Hawk are just two examples of this argument, you know, that creativity and inventions come from a willingness to try something different and to see if it works. And a willingness to change one's beliefs leads to being able to do things that we once thought were impossible, like recover from compulsive overeating. You know, if you're willing to try something different, maybe it'll work. And that's saying to the agnostic and to those that I that don't believe that recovery, permanent recovery is possible, uh, the text is saying try it. You know, it can't hurt. Um, you know, certainly Columbus is one of the great examples of what you can do and what you can change, providing you're willing to set aside your superstitions, your pre- prejudgments, your fixed ideas, providing you're willing to change some things. The first thing you've got to do, though, to change anything is to be willing to do so. And when this disease turned up the burner on my life, (laughs) um, you know, all I could do was just throw up my hands and just say, I'm done. You know, I'm going to make a decision to go for this program of recovery without any knowledge, evidence, certainty or feeling about this God thing, I just know I ain't it. (laughs) I ain't it. I ain't it. And although I can't explain it and I can't wrap wrap my brain around it and, uh, you know, I don't have any necessarily concrete evidence, someone is sitting across the table from me who cracked open this text, brought it to life through his personal experience, has been restored to sanity. And that's enough evidence for me that God is working in his life, you know. So, you know, this idea of just saying, okay, my way ain't working, the disease is turning up the burner, the text is turning up the burner too, as we'll see in a couple pages, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to throw the dice on the table. I don't know what game we're playing, but tell me what to do. And, you know, that trickles down in every facet of my life because it is not the things that I don't know. There's a lot of things I don't know, uh, and sometimes I get tripped up on that. But it's really the things that I think I know for sure, and, boy, I'm going to tell you that I know them for sure. That's dangerous for someone like me because there's an attitude and there's an ego behind that. And changing my will and saying, I don't know, please guide me, please teach me, I'm teachable, that's an act of submission and surrender and an act of my will that's going to take me far because that's saying, God, lead me. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Okay, we have time for one, maybe two, two-minute shares. Yes, of honor. We'd like to. Nessa R. Okay, go ahead, Nessa. Thank you. Good morning, good evening for you. My name is Nessa R. and I'm recovering from both. 
you know, to run for Canada. I, I, I'm also, I also have been thinking about, about this issue of fixed ideas because um, I find that in recovery, some of my fixed ideas I let go of, but then they've been replaced by other fixed ideas. You know, for example, I let go of the fixed idea that food was my problem, and then it was replaced with a fixed idea that although I'm allergic to sugar, it's okay for me to, um, it's okay for me to have uh, things that have sugar as long as they're not the first five ingredients, and somehow, somehow that's okay. Um, I let go of the fixed idea that, you know, God had to do my will, and he would and then I would have to do his will, but then all I had to do was pray, pray and take no action. So basically skipping uh, steps three to 10 and just go one to 11. Um, so that's another fixed idea. Um, I have to let go of the fixed idea that, you know, um, as soon as I put down the food, automatically the food obsession will be lifted without me doing any work. But um, once I do my big, quote unquote, big step four, I never have to do it again, you know, uh, so forget about step 10. Uh, that once I finish step nine, I put away the book and I don't have to look at it again and I'm done, you know, and not uh, work steps 10, 11, and 12. You know, like all those are um, uh, fixed ideas that move in to replace the old fixed ideas. So, you know, just because I'm in recovery doesn't mean that I'm, I'm immune to fixed ideas that I, I um, I need to really keep watching for them just as much as I have to keep watching somebody's been ruffling some uh, papers or something. But anyhow, um, uh, just as I have to keep watching for food that uh, may become exciting and partying and now that I could be part of For example, when I was eating potato chips, rice cakes was a problem. But now that I don't eat potatoes, rice are an issue. To, I need to let go of that as well. I mean, I have to be constantly on the lookout for all those ideas because I, I, I overcome some fixed ideas, but then I acquire new ones. And I cannot hold on to the new ones any more than I hold on to the old ones if I am to recover and stay recovered. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we have one, time for one two-minute share. Would someone like to share for two minutes? One minute. Okay, well, I'll just take this last minute. I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater. And, you know, the fixed idea that I had that I didn't even know I had until I didn't have it anymore was that I would always be obsessed with food, dieting, and weight. You know, I had been in OA for six years and thought that I had worked the steps and thought that I had um, surrendered numerous, numerous times, and yet um, my weight was higher than it had ever been. I was eating more than I'd ever eaten, and I had the c control to stop only when I was sleeping. So, you know, I was just constantly obsessed with that, with the food, and I thought that even if I got abstinent, that I would never be free from that mental obsession. And, you know, it wasn't until I was willing to um, let go of those ideas and to trust the God idea that I was able to recover. And I'm just so grateful that I have so much life today because I am not um, bogged down with that mental obsession. And yes, it's, it's great to have a thin body and it's great to um, everything else in my life, but that mental obsession is worth everything. And I'm so grateful. And with that, I'll pass. 
Okay, so um, let's see where we are here. Um, <clears throat> thank you to everyone who shared, um, and thank you to everyone who made this meeting possible. Um, yes, I want to thank Becca R., Esther F., Russ M., Allison L., and Rita K. for being available, and then Lisa L. B. and Linda D. It takes a, um, a group to get this meeting here. So please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today is mo on Monday, April 16th, 2018. It's 11,302. That's 11302. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Allison L. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, I'd love to. Thank you. This is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. <laughs>